Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. If you were to ask me to find someone that you loved, a, a family member, a friend, a relative, and let's just say they were in a crowd somewhere and you wanted me to go find them, uh, you would need to tell me what they looked like, uh, where to find them maybe, uh, what characteristics would set that person apart from the rest of the crowd. You would give me the marks for the defining traits of that person. Now, if I were to ask you to give me the characteristics or marks of the church, the Christian church, uh, where to find it, what it looks like, what makes it stand out from other false churches. How would you describe it? What marks would you tell me, these things have to be here to make it a Christian church? And this is really a, a serious question because the question really is, how do you know if you are a part of the true church, the one holy Christian and apostolic church. Uh, we confess in the creed that we believe in the invisible church, but still, how do you know that you are a member of it and will have a part in heaven, like Lazarus? The Trinity season, which we began last Sunday, gives us a great opportunity to talk about the church. It's the season of the church. In Lutheran theology, we, we do confess that there are seven defining marks of the church. We've been going through the catechism in our Sunday, uh, for our Sunday sermons this year, reading through the catechism. And, and while the marks of the, or marks of the church aren't technically part of the catechism, we do confess them, for we say we confess, we believe in the holy Christian church. The first mark we heard last Sunday uh, and again, we confess this in the Nicene Creed today, that, uh, that God has spoken through the prophets. Or sorry, uh, that's, that's the one for today. Uh, the first mark we heard last Sunday, Nicodemus asked Jesus about his kingdom. What does it look like? How do you know if one is part of it? Nicodemus didn't realize that Jesus' kingdom was the church. So Jesus answered him, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit... He cannot enter the kingdom of God. Baptism into the name of the Trinity is the first mark of the church. Where the creating spirit comes and works through water and the word, there he is creating the church. Today in the account of the rich man and poor Lazarus, we see another mark of the church. We're given a glimpse of who is a member of it and who is not. And it's not what we expect. There's a rich man. Doesn't tell us a whole lot about a person or about him. But, you know, you don't get rich in a vacuum. To be rich and to live in luxury means that this man is well-respected. He's a man who, whom people look up to. He's in a position of authority. He, he's clothed in purple, which is the color that kings and, uh, and high officials wear. To arrive at this elevated position, 
uh, means he's a hard worker. He worked very hard for the wealth that he's achieved and the position he's achieved. Now, perhaps his business has provided uh, work and a livelihood for many in his community. Perhaps he's also given large sums of money to charities. In any case, he has enjoyed the fruits of his labor, as Jesus said, receiving good things. So what are the marks of this person? He's a hard worker. He's a good person. He's well-respected. He's blessed. And he goes to hell. You know, these are the traits that most people think define Christians. And why someone should go to heaven. But this is not at all the case. On the other hand, there's a poor man, Lazarus. Lazarus was a beggar. Someone who was totally and utterly dependent on someone else. Again, we don't know the details of his circumstances, but you don't get poor either in a vacuum. How did he arrive at his desperate situation? Had he been someone who was completely lazy looking for handouts? Had he been divorced? Had he been a drunkard? Was he the victim of some terrible accident that left him physically unable to do the work due to some disability? Or was he simply irresponsible? That's a possibility, too. It's possible he once had uh, many things just like the rich man, but then threw it all away. After all, he, it seems he has no friends to help him. He must have gotten in that situation somehow. In any case, what are the marks of this person? He's destitute. He's content to eat the crumbs that fall from the rich man's table. He's sick. He's covered with sores. The dogs come and lick his sores. And in no way could you say that he is blessed. You might even say cursed from an earthly perspective. And he goes to heaven. This account shatters our modern American notion of what it means to be a good Christian. Good people do not go to heaven. Now, it's not that this rich man was a sinner and Lazarus was not. They both were sinners before God, who alone is holy and righteous and who alone is truly good. But the faith of their hearts were not the same. This is evident by the conversation that Jesus gives us between the rich man in hell and Abraham in heaven. And remember, by the way, Abraham by what we know was the second richest person in all of Scripture. So the, this mark of the church has nothing to do with wealth or prosperity. It's not as if all rich people go to hell. So this rich man begs Abraham to send Lazarus back from the dead to his father's home to warn his five brothers. But notice the rich man isn't motivated out of love for God. He could care less or couldn't care less if his brothers learned to love and trust in God above all things. He simply doesn't want them to suffer. And this shows us where his love and trust was placed. Not in God, but in his own confidence and comfort. He trusted in himself. This is also a warning to us because if we're honest, we have more in common with this rich man than we do with Lazarus. All of us 
All of you in this congregation are richly blessed in many ways. Uh, we live in America, which is uh, very richly blessed. And I know in the past year that, that many of us and you have been blessed and, and even made the news in many positive ways. Uh, community service, love and respect of community, music, sports achievements, being state champions, graduations, academic achievements, scholarships, promotions, retirement, success with the family business, and I can go on and on and on. With the fruits of our labors and when things go well, it can be very easy for us to say, uh, well, look at what God has given to me, and, and so Christ is the most important thing in my life. But when and if these things are threatened or taken away, our, our faith can be exposed for not being what it seems. Luther says that a God is whatever we look to for our most and greatest good in life. You should have no other gods. So what is the one thing in life that if you lost it, you would be in despair? Sometimes, and this is how the Holy Spirit tutors us by God's word. Sometimes it is good to have the idols of our life threatened, and we all have idols, because we all are idolaters. None of us are good. So then, when, like they did for Lazarus, adversity, sickness, or hardship come, this does not mean that God has abandoned us but in fact the very opposite. God wants to make sure that our fear, love, and trust is in the right place. So perhaps it's, it's a good thing, for instance, that the stock markets are crashing and, and if you lose your wealth, because your idol will be taken away. Uh, perhaps it would be a good thing to get sick or to be in an accident or to have that storm come and take away your home you may end up like Lazarus, receiving bad things, but you are never, never without God's help. And by the way, the name Lazarus means God has helped. God has helped. There's something beautiful in that Jesus gives us the name of Lazarus. God has helped, and he doesn't tell us the name of the rich man. Outward achievements, prosperity, my own effort, my own work ethic, my own kindness, or anything else uh, is, is not a mark or sign that I am a member of the Holy Christian Church. None of these, contrary to what we may want, are marks of the church. So what is? Abraham replied to the rich man, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. Moses and the prophets are the writers of Holy Scripture, the Word of God. In other words, holy Christian people are recognized not by their possession of outward great blessings, but holy Christian people are recognized by their possession of the Holy Word of God. Luther calls the Word of God the holiest of holy possessions, and by it, Christians are called holy, for God's holy word is holy and sanctifies it, makes holy everything it touches. That's why we pray, sanctify us, make us holy by the truth. Your word alone is truth. For it is indeed the very holiness of God. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone 
who believes. The word of God is a mark of the church. It alone creates faith. It alone brings salvation. Abraham says as much, and he would know because Abraham is a recipient of that faith through that word. But idiotically, the rich man decides to argue with Abraham. Abraham's already in heaven, receiving the fullness of this, and the rich man argues with him. He says, no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Abraham replied to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Nothing you can see is more powerful than the word of God. Not your riches, not your goodness, not your blessings, not even if someone comes back from the dead. The word of God came to and touched Lazarus. Even though in his life he received bad things, Lazarus possessed a mark of the church. Lazarus has heard and believed the word of God. No matter what sins had caused him to be in that terrible situation on earth, through the word of God, they have been forgiven. And through the forgiveness of sins, Lazarus receives from God life and salvation. Through his word, God has helped Lazarus. And through the same word, which you are hearing right now, God is doing the same for you. God is helping you. God is forgiving your sins. God is giving you forgiveness, life, and salvation through his word. This alone is where you get salvation. So cling on to Moses and the prophets, the word of God, the holiest of holy possessions. The Word of God is, as Jesus says, the one thing needful. You could lose all of your earthly possessions. You could lose all of your earthly blessings, your health, your livelihood, your family. But if you have the Word of God, you have everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.